0: This is Pastor Sam Murphy from Christ-Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ-Centered Cast. Well, here we are, week 16 in the series from the womb to the tomb, snapshots in the life of Jesus from his birth to the resurrection, and this has been one of the most meaningful sermon series I've ever had the opportunity to prepare, and it has just been an absolute joy to prepare each and every week, and my prayer and hope is that you also have benefited from the different snapshots in Jesus' life and the things that he went has gone through and people that he's talked to and the difference that he's made in the lives of others. Turn in your copy of God's Word tonight as we wrap up this series in Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Luke 24, starting in the first verse of Luke chapter 24. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb. Stooping and looking in, he saw the linen clothes by themselves. And he went home marveling at what had happened. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for the account of the resurrection. Thank you for the opportunity tonight in this country to freely look at your word. And to see what you have to tell us. What message you have for us through the resurrection. What it means and why it's significant. And God, I ask that you would use your word in a mighty way tonight in our midst and that you would open our hearts and minds and help us to see what you want us to take away from this. We thank you and we love you, Lord, for the resurrection. And it's in your son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ's name we pray tonight. Amen. So I want you to think back to the earliest Easter memories that you can. Go back as far as you can. For some of you, that might be rather recent. You may have only had a few Easter's under your belt. For others, you may have to think a lot harder and a lot longer to get there. And then for the rest of us, we're somewhere in the middle. Maybe your memories are things like family dinners, or Easter egg hunts, or going to church, or getting an Easter basket. I remember one year when I was a child, very young, I was before I even understood what Easter was truly about and what the resurrection really meant, I remember getting an Easter basket one year, and I woke up in the morning and went to where my folks put the baskets, and I remember seeing in the baskets your various assortment of that weird green grass, plastic grass stuff, as well as little chocolate eggs, bags of jelly beans. And I still remember seeing at that point in my life what I thought must have been the largest piece of candy I had ever seen. Inside the basket was one of those huge chocolate rabbits. And I was already salivating. As soon as I saw the thing, I'm like, wow, that's going to be fantastic to eat that entire thing. Because you're a child, you don't have any sense of what that will do to your body. But I I looked at that rabbit, and I said, yes. So I waited most of the day, because I couldn't actually eat any of the rabbit until after dinner. Finally, the time had come, ripped into the package. I was holding the thing triumphantly in my hands, and again, my child hands, and it, to me, it was just enormous. And I go and I take a giant bite of this thing, and I just feel my teeth going into the chocolate, and victory was mine. And then they hit nothing but air, and disappointment set in. I took a big bite of it, and then looked at it, held it up, and put my hand in there. Where's all the chocolate? This, I, I was convinced that this thing was just this huge, giant hunk of chocolate shaped like a rabbit, only to find out that it was hollow. I felt deceived. It was empty inside. And to this day, I kid you not, whenever I go to Walgreens or to the grocery store and I see the Easter displays, and I see those giant rabbits snickering at me on the shelf, I look at them and I go, no, you're not getting me this year. I know you're truly empty inside. You're hollow. To this day. Now, that happens each Easter, and every time, I'm brought back to when I was a child when I see those things, but each Easter also, there is something else that was empty. That instead of bringing me feelings of frustration, irritation, and annoyance, instead bring me feelings of joy. Something empty and seemingly hollow, but at one point, had a man in it. And that, of course, is the empty tomb. There is a joy that comes from that emptiness, unlike that silly rabbit. And as we look at the text tonight, that's where we're going to be. We're going to see the empty tomb. We're going to experience some of the feelings that the people who went there that day did as they discovered something that was hollow and empty. And they did, in fact, at first experience some some feelings of perhaps sadness or fear or concern, only then to come into feelings of joy and expectation for what was to come because of this empty rock. At this point in the text in Luke chapter 24, over the course of the last week, you saw where we were last week with the triumphal entry. In that time, lots of things have taken place. The Lord has been mocked and beaten. He's gone before the council, he's gone before Pilate, he's gone before Herod. He is pronounced to death. The Savior of the world has been crucified. He's died and has been buried in a tomb by Joseph of Arimathea. It's been a long, dark night, but now, now as we look at the text, we see that there is hope in the morning. So go with me there, if you will, to that morning on the first day of the week when the sun is just coming up over the horizon. And you'll find some women who have some spices with them. You see, Joseph of Arimathea arranged for Jesus' body to be put in the tomb. And the women were coming with the spices to uh, essentially perform a ceremonial custom that they would do with the deceased, with their bodies following death. So they were all set to go to the tomb in the morning. Think about this. Let's let's get this big picture here. Everyone, almost everyone, in Jesus' life had at this point distanced themselves from him following his death. He'd been betrayed. His closest disciples who'd followed him for three years were nowhere to be found because they either denied him or were afraid to be anywhere close to the crucifixion for fear of their own life everyone he had been close to, except for the women in his life who ministered with him. And think about this. We don't don't necessarily call a highlight to this when we think about the resurrection, but these women, as they were going to anoint his body with these spices, they were essentially going to be trying to get through Roman guards to do so. It wasn't like they were just going to waltz in and be able to do what they were going to do. So I can imagine they were probably a little concerned, maybe even a a little afraid of how this might go down facing these Roman guards. But they went anyway. So we go with them to the the tomb at dawn that day. And when we arrive there, we see that the gigantic millstone has been rolled completely away. This is something that would have taken several animals and maybe even several men to move, to actually move in any meaningful way away. And it's completely rolled away and the women as they, they go immediately in and they don't see a body they don't see Jesus one of the things that I love about the gospel of Luke is that there is a very real focus on the resurrection there multiple times if, if, when you look at that text you see that that, that is, is what happens they go right there to look to see if there is a body because Luke is highlighting the resurrection is the most important part of the story here So they go in, they don't see a body. They could have been thinking a number of things. Maybe someone has stolen the body. Maybe it's some kind of conspiracy. Maybe it got lost. But they had gone there to essentially intern their friend, to anoint his body with spices. But it's not there. They're trying to mourn the loss of Jesus, someone whom they loved. And there is no body. And while they were perplexed and confused, naturally, as we would be, were we there? All of a sudden, we see that there are two men who show up, and, and they are described as being in dazzling apparel, and we know them to be angels. And can you imagine you're there, you're confused, you're perplexed that there's no body. That was the reason why you got up that morning. You'd been preparing for days for that. You took the Sabbath off because that was custom. But now you would waited all this time to go and anoint the body, and then there is no body, and then all of a sudden these angelic beings appear there, and they're seemingly dazzling bright. Which I mean, first thing in the morning as the sun is coming over the horizon, I, the, I have to imagine that had to be murder on your eyes. But that is what's happening here, and I can just see them being you know, like, okay. And it says that when they see these men, that they were frightened. So imagine the roller coaster of emotions of being confused, perplexed. And then frightened. It says, so frightened that they look down and bow their faces to the ground. And that could have, been, could have been because they were afraid of being caught trying to anoint this body, or because they just uh, were shocked and surprised in the presence of deity, what they perceived to be deity. But they look down, and these men ask them, they essentially say, uh, Ladies, why are you here looking to anoint a body? Why are you here with spices, looking for someone to be dead? He's not dead. He's risen. Jesus is alive. You don't need those spices. His body isn't here. And he says, ladies, the two men say, ladies, don't you remember in Galilee when he had said that this would have to take place, that the Son of Man would be, handed over to sinful men and and crucified and buried and rise on the third day. Don't you recall? He said a lot of those things. And really to be fair, Jesus does say a lot of things that we, we too often forget, right? Or don't think about or we don't treat as significant. But it says that once they remind the ladies of this, they go, oh yeah! That's right! And can you imagine going from being confused and perplexed and probably sad, to being frightened, and now to realizing that everything that Jesus had said about the crucifixion and resurrection was true, that he wasn't in fact dead, but instead alive, that their friend, a family member even in some cases, was alive. The joy they must have felt, the joy that we should feel if we know Jesus Christ life, And they were so excited after remembering these words that they leave the tomb, at seemingly almost immediately, and they go to tell the other 11 disciples. Because, of course, Judas had made some sad choices. And it says, all of the rest. So they go and they tell them. And Luke gives us some specific names. He says, Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and I, I believe personally that this was to add legitimacy to his account because Luke is saying, look, these, these women by name, they were there. They, they saw all of this. They saw the guys. They saw the stone rolled away from the tomb. They saw the clothes laying in there. They saw it. It was real. It happened. So they go back and they tell all of these things, and the guys are like, nah. Nah. You hear these gals making up stories again? That's not possible. Because at this point, they'd all checked out. They were trying to, again, distance themselves and, and not have anything to do with all of this for fear of their own lives and probably families and, and all of that. But they don't believe it. Except one who's open to the idea. One who's walked on some water. One who has cut somebody's ear off and then watched it miraculously put back on somebody else's head. One who's seen people raised from the dead. Peter goes i got to check this out. This is very, they all seem very passionate about this. And we see that Peter gets up, and he runs to the tomb. He just, he bolts, takes off right there. And it says, what does what Peter notice? Same thing the ladies notice. The first thing that they notice, the empty tomb, the resurrected body. He just runs right in, and he sees the clothes. And then he goes back and he marvels at what he has seen too. And probably, if we're being honest, folks, when Peter went back and he's like, yeah, that's legit, what they said was true. Then probably all the guys were like, oh, okay. Just because that's how people are, right? Right or wrong. But then, of course, we know as things go on that Jesus then appears to the other disciples and to dozens and dozens of people following the resurrection. And we look at this account We look at this empty tomb, which brings up so many emotions in us every year. But ultimately, my hope is that it brings us joy to know what it means. But there are things in our lives that often get in the way of us experiencing that joy, aren't there? Of really, truly embracing the resurrection and its significance for us. One of the things that gets in the way of us embracing the significance and the joy of the resurrection could in fact be a reluctance regarding the reliability of the resurrection. We question whether or not it could have happened. People do that. That gets in the way of people understanding and truly believing in Jesus Christ and the gospel and believing in the power of the resurrection. And they, they look to uh, various excuses and reasons why they, they can't believe themselves or don't believe. They, again, say things like maybe the body was stolen or it's a government conspiracy, which incidentally it would not have been in the Roman government's best interest to make sure the body was taken away or hidden because that would have just empowered the Jewish people and even more so the early church as it was beginning to be established. And that was the, a kind of heat that the Roman government would not have wanted. So It would not have been in their best interest to do it. Some would say, oh, maybe the disciples did something that way to try to strengthen their case or make it more legitimate. And yet what we see in the text is that they all seem uh, legitimately surprised by the events. So much so that they don't even believe it themselves at first. And you know, you can make a myriad of excuses for why something else other than the resurrection occurred. And yet it's actually harder to do that than it is to simply believe it. But we do that in life too, though, don't we? Sometimes, some people come up, try to come up with reasons for why they can't accept it, why it doesn't seem legitimate to them, why it couldn't have gone down that way, and why they don't want to believe it. Now, there could be some things going on beneath the surface there, but they don't come out that way because we, as people, often bury what we're truly thinking and feeling in lieu of what we're willing to show to others. There could be a reluctance regarding the reliability of the resurrection that gets in the way of us believing in and getting the joy that we should from the knowledge of the empty tomb and what that means for us in our relationship with Christ. Something else that gets in the way of us accepting the empty tomb and the resurrection of Jesus Christ could be simply complacency with the crucifixion of Christ. Maybe you've been a believer for many years, decades, most of your life. So much so that when each calendar year comes around, you go, oh, it's Christmas. Time to sing songs about Jesus being born. Do the Christmas tree thing and all the other family things, because that's just what we do every year. It's what I've always done. Oh, it's springtime. All right, time for allergies to kick in. Oh, and it's also time to do the Eastery things, like color eggs and get together and have lunch with the family.
1: Oh, yeah, and Jesus,
0: the resurrection thing that's you know supposedly the most important part of our entire faith system and structure. And we just get complacent about it. And if we're not careful as human beings, we all can become complacent about these things. We can let them become routine and simply ritual. So much so that they lose their significance for us personally. We can forget why the resurrection matters. We can forget the power that it has for us. For those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Savior. We can just get ho-hum about Easter. And just not care like we should. And then we go through life without joy. Without a sense of purpose. One thing I can share this year was this, for some reason, this particular Easter, I have just had a joy that I haven't had for some time with this. Because Easter is kind of a professional thing for me in many respects. It's part of the job. It's a big part. But for whatever reason, this year... I've been excited about it. I've been looking forward to it. For whatever reason it's just brought a joy to my heart that I haven't had in a long time. Because it can become easy to become complacent about the crucifixion. We can forget about what Jesus went through for us. We sing songs like Blood Ran Red and those things and And if we're not really actively engaging our brain and our heart and our emotions, we can just let the words go in and out of our mouths and they not mean anything. We can become complacent with the crucifixion of Christ. We might have reluctance regarding the reliability of the resurrection, complacency with the crucifixion. And then maybe, just maybe, the third one, and this is one that's, struck personally in in some ways uh, as of late. We can become disillusioned and discouraged with death. We can get so focused on tragedy and death when it occurs, whether someone dying unexpectedly or even taking their own life. All of that's happened in my life in this one week for Easter. And it can become easy to get discouraged by that. And feel defeated. And let that be our focus. Even around Easter. And when we forget what Easter is truly about. And what it really means. And the significance and the joy that comes for the resurrection. Those feelings of discouragement and disillusionment can become overpowering. And take over our mind and our hearts and our emotions. We can get disillusioned and discouraged. And feel like death is the most powerful entity in life. So you see there are some things that can get in the way of us experiencing the joy of the empty tomb. The joy of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what can we do about it? What can we do about these things? Well first when we think about the reluctance of the reliability of the resurrection. There is a wonderful book that I've read at least twice which is fantastic and I cannot recommend enough to you if you do have questions about the reliability of the resurrection and it is called The Case for Christ and it's written by Lee Strobel who was a former uh, journalist for the Chicago Tribune who came to faith in Jesus Christ by trying to disprove the reliability of the crucifixion and resurrection. Cannot recommend it enough. It's explored, he interviews historians, and archaeologists and medical doctors and all these different professionals in their fields to talk with them about the reliability and the possibility of something like a crucifixion and resurrection in the interest of trying to disprove it. But God, being the awesome God that he is and the sense of humor that he has, decided to call this man to Christ through all of this. Fantastic work. I would recommend that book. But additionally, if we question the reluctance and reliability of the resurrection, we also know if we continue on for the rest of the story, we see that Christ actually reappeared following the resurrection, and he appears also within his followers today. It's more than just religious jargon that Jesus comes to live within you, and the Holy Spirit empowers you as a believer. Those that are walking with the Lord and truly understand their relationship with Him, others can see that in them. You know when someone is walking with the Lord by how loving they are, especially how loving they are to other believers, because we're told in the Scriptures that others will know we are Christians by our love. You can see it in the lives of those that love the Lord because they love others and live for Him and live for others, just like loving God and loving others we see up on the banners. That's evidence of the resurrection because not only is it a resurrected Messiah, it's a resurrected person that you're experiencing. And unfortunately, when we let those first three things that we talked about become what we operate by and motivate us, others don't see that in our lives. When we truly believe, when we remember that Jesus Christ did even reappear before he ascended, and we remember that when we see lives change, that's evidence of the resurrection in people, then we can see a joy and experience a joy that we didn't have before. And we too can know that joy. That joy comes from remembering this is real. And that Jesus rose so that we could have new life and become new people on the inside. That's the first thing. If we question the reliability, we can see it. We can see the resurrection in the text and in life today. But maybe, just maybe, it is the the uh, complacency that you're experiencing. It's ho hum. It's same old standard fare. It's what it means to be a Christian and do church, and it's just what you you believe in. You make Easter a big deal because you're a Christian and. That's what you're supposed to do. But, but no, there's more to it than that. And I think what the, the thing that needs to t- change there, when we get complacent about the crucifixion of Christ, when we forget about what he endured and what he went through for us, so that we didn't have to go through it ourselves and be separated from God forever in a place called hell, we need to sit with our sinfulness. We need to really remember What it was like, if we can, to live without Him. The hopelessness. We need to even think about our our sinfulness today. Because even when we're born again, even when we're renewed through the Holy Spirit of God, we still struggle with a thing called sin. We still, as fallen humans, make poor choices. We still sin. And yes, there is forgiveness. But if we get caught in the cycle of, oh, I'm just going to ask forgiveness and everything's okay... And then move on. And we don't sit with our sinfulness. It becomes easy to become complacent. And then the crucifixion doesn't mean as much to us. We need to sit with our sinfulness. That brought about the death of an innocent man. For your sake. And my sake. Someone died. Who didn't deserve to. So that we who deserve to. Don't have to. We need to sit with that. And really let that sink in. And that should bring about a feeling of gratitude and a joy of knowing that we don't have to suffer those consequences. So we remember that Christ did appear and he still appears in his followers today. We remember the importance of sitting with our sinfulness and understanding that we deserve death, but Jesus took that death for us so that we could know life through the resurrection. And the very last thing, the the last solution to these issues as we look at the text is we need to remember that Easter is the symbol of Christ's victory over death. So when we get discouraged and disillusioned by the loss and the suffering that we see on a regular basis and the people that seem to be taken away from us too soon, we can remember that Easter is a symbol of hope beyond the grave, of victory over death, of knowing that this is not the end. That is what should bring a joy in our lives. Do we mourn? Yes. Is there a sadness for a time? Absolutely. But is that what dominates our life and brings us to the place where we feel like all is lost? No, because we know because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ that this is not the end. That the sadness that we know now we don't have to experience forever. And when others are discouraged we can point them to the Savior who gives us renewed life. Who gives us hope beyond the grave. And to comfort them as we were comforted through Jesus Christ. And Easter reminds us of that. So when we get disillusioned and discouraged, we can look to the cross and we can look to the empty tomb. The resurrection. So what are the implications of that? Why is that significant? So we know now, we see... The things that can get in the way of us embracing the joy of the empty tomb. We can see some things that we can do about it. But why does it matter? Why does it matter? Well, when we trust the Lord of the empty tomb, and we experience the full life that comes from salvation through Christ, first we see that we have our sin uh, forgiven forever. Because Jesus Christ died for the sins that you committed in the past, the ones that you're going to commit today, and the ones that you'll commit However many years down the road, He died for all of those, and all of those are forgiven when you know Him as your Savior, when you trust and believe that He died for your sin and you have a relationship with Him. That's why it's important to understand the resurrection and to have that relationship with Him, because first your sin is forgiven forever. That is in no way a license, because sin does in fact damage our relationship with God. It doesn't break it but it makes things more difficult. And that's why we continually confess our sin to the Lord, not so we can be resaved over and over again, but so we can be right with Him and have a good relationship with Him, just like with the other people in our lives. We can know that we have our sin forgiven forever. The next reason why it's so important to embrace the resurrection and have the joy that comes from the empty tomb is because it gives us an opportunity to know a sacrificial love that's unconditional. We will have a lot of people come and go in our lives. We, If we're fortunate, we'll have several people that will love. And who will love us. But none of those loves will be a truly perfect love because they can't be. Because we all still struggle with sin. And because death is very much a thing. But when we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, we know a love that is unconditional. Good, bad, in between. He loves us no matter what. And it's a love that sacrificed everything so that we can have everything. Not here, but in the life to come. Do you want to know sacrificial love that's unconditional? Have you experienced pain? at the hands of other people, or been disappointed by others, or do you miss others? Well, Jesus Christ will never leave you. And the God of the Old Testament that told His people that He would never leave nor forsake them is the same God that we can know today. That will always be there and will always love us. We can know our sins are forgiven forever. We can know a sacrificial love. that's completely unconditional. And we can have a hope beyond the grave for both ourselves and others. We can go confidently through life knowing that no matter what we experience, no matter how seemingly dark things get sometimes, like that Sabbath day before the resurrection, we can know that that's not the end, that this is not the end, that when we leave this earth, we can go and live with the Lord forever. He's going to create a whole new heaven and a whole new earth. We're going to have resurrected bodies. The ailments and the things that we struggle with now will no longer be an issue. And we'll be reunited with others that know and love the Lord and we'll spend eternity with them. There is a hope that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. A hope beyond the grave for both ourselves and others. Tonight, Are you experiencing the full life that comes from knowing the Christ of the empty tomb? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and know that He's forgiven you and that He lives for you as you live for Him each and every day? I want to invite you and encourage you to go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes. Search your heart. Search your soul today. And first if you do not definitively know that you've made that choice to trust Jesus Christ so that you can be forgiven through His death, burial, and resurrection, today is the day to make that choice in your heart. Today is the day to get that done. And I just want to tell you, I'll wait down here when we wrap up tonight if you want to talk with me about that or even if you make that choice and you've never made it before and you want to share that, I'll pray with you and celebrate with you be awesome. But make that choice if you haven't yet. Make it right now in your heart. Additionally, if you have at some point trusted Jesus Christ for salvation, but have become complacent, disillusioned, or discouraged in your faith, today is the day to confess that to the Lord, to give that to Him to let Him take that from you and to recommit your life to Him so that you can then go forth and share that joy with others so that they can see that resurrection life lived out through you. Make that commitment today. Give that to Him. Tell Him that you will live for Him again. Father God, thank you so much again for your word tonight, for the hope that we have through the resurrection, through the empty tomb. Lord, I pray that as we leave today, that others would see the joy that comes from you living out through us. And that others would see that it's Easter every day in our lives. Not just once a year. Thank you for the resurrection. And for the hope that we have through the cross. We love you, Lord, tonight. As we give our hearts and our minds and our souls to you. And it's in your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead's name, we pray. Amen. God bless as you go forth and preach, teach, and reach others with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for listening to Christ-Centered Cast. Please join us again next week. God bless.